Welcome into the Atlanta Football Party. I'm Jarvis Davis. Coming up on today's show, I think we've been lied to. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Tori McElhaney, Aaron Freeman, and Jarvis Davis. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. The Atlanta Football Party is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, Falcons lost. 29 to 25 to the Bucks Sunday, lost sole possession of first place in the NFC South too. And of course, we're going to deep dive into the deets of this game and talk about what's next for the Falcons as they figure out how to move forward when they don't necessarily have all the control of their own playoff destiny anymore. But before we do that, let's talk top three takeaways. Tori, we'll start with you because you had an interesting article that you wrote as a part of Tori's notebook. And you basically said, hey, kind of where I thought they were going to be is not kind of where they are, but essentially we're here now. Yeah, that's, I I was going back through and kind of thinking back to where my headspace was about this team in training camp. Like that was kind of the basis for that article. It's like, where did I think that the team would be at this point in the season back then? And I actually went back in an old notebook and, and kind of looked at it and I had this team winning 11 games. It is what I going into the season, I had them winning 11 games. I had them at the top of the NFC South. And here we are now with four weeks left in the season. And that's not the team that I thought they would be. This isn't the team that I thought that would be that this isn't a Falcons team that I was expecting to to have as many losses as they've had, but also kind of just looking at the NFC South and, and they never broke away. From the pack. And that was something that they could have done on Sunday with a win against Tampa Bay. It's something that they needed to do if they wanted to to find separation in a division that, let's be honest, is kind of the butt of every joke around the league. The way that you can kind of garner some respect across the league. It's like, yeah, our division's bad, but look, we beat everybody in the division. So you got to give us a little bit of respect there. But that's not what happened on Sunday. And so it's kind of me coming to terms with the fact that this team isn't what I thought it was going to be. And Mm -hmm. so what do we have now? You have four games left. In order for them to get to double-digit wins, they got to win out. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. It's probably a little improbable, though. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of weighing, like, how much can you value the individual progress that maybe some key individuals on this team have made versus the overall implications of a loss like Sunday having an effect on on the long-term standings in the division? So the, all of those things are kind of just racking around in my brain after the loss yesterday. Yeah, and I think a couple great points that you make there. First and foremost, like you, I kind of hovered between 10 and 11 at the beginning, but I went optimistic and I erred on the side of 11 because I saw a pathway to 11 wins this season based on the roster. That talent, yeah. Yeah, I saw the talent and I said it's there. But I want to go with something else that you mentioned, which was, yeah, there are some individuals who I can say, hey, I thought they were going to be there and they're there. Like, I'm, I'm excited by what we're seeing in Bajan Robinson. I think 
think that's a good look. Uh, I think that seeing some growth and evolution, um, I, I'd say, and when I say early on, just meaning, I mean, Matthew Bergeron is a rookie, and I think we can all agree he's each week he takes a step. So there are individuals that I've seen that I expected to be here at this point of the season, but the team collectively, I'm with you. And then to your point, when I look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, no, I don't really see my path to 10 even. That might be even a daunting task because, yeah, Panthers, Colts, Bears, Saints. And I literally was thinking to myself, I'm going to be home for Christmas. I might have to take a turnaround trip or just stay myself at home because I believe that January 7th game is going to be the all-encompassing, all-deciding game for this particular division. So, And Aaron, you kind of had a piggyback and a cosign on what Tori was saying, which is like, okay, you're looking to it. You're thinking, all right, by this time, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're not there yet. Yeah, I, I, basically, I'll echo a lot of the sentiments that Tori had. I think I had this team winning 10 games this year. So it's still possible, but you know, it's going to be tough for them at this point. And all year long, for me, a lot of it was, okay, it's not really how you start, it's how you finish. And I thought at this point, all the ups and downs, the roller coaster, whatever you want to call it, that the Falcons went through over the first 10 games of the season would suddenly start to sort of pay off for this team uh, down this stretch. And you would see a much better version of this team. And while you've seen, you know, promising signs from this team, they just couldn't put it all together on Sunday against the Bucs. And, you know, I think a lot of it, they, they, they kind of put it on Desmond Ritter to kind of be the engine of the offense in the passing game. And while I don't think Ritter played poorly, he just didn't make enough of the plays that he needed to, to win the game. And it was, it was too little too late. It's been kind of the story of the season where those first three quarters is, is a lot of just like, we're just waiting around for this offense to kick in. And then in the fourth quarter it does. And you're like, okay, like, can we get the fourth quarter version of the Falcons at some point in the first three quarters? And we, we, we continue to be talking about that. So I feel like this team has underachieved in a lot of ways. I I was talking to uh, some of my listeners, uh, the Lockdown Falcons Discord over the weekend, and someone asked me a question in terms of what areas of this team have, you know, exceeded your expectations and what areas of this team have not quite lived up to your expectations. And to be honest with you, I couldn't think of a single instance where something has really exceeded my expectations. It's just been a lot of like this thing that I thought going into the season that would be competent to good has been below average or something along those lines. And so it just feels like across the board, like, you know, whether it's the run game or the offensive line or the pass rush or, you know, some of these other areas, the quarterback play, uh, some Mm -hmm. of the weapons, like it just feels like you've gotten positives from all of those areas, but it Mm -hmm. just hasn't been as consistent as you wanted. And so overall you just kind of look at this point and say, yeah, it was a lot of underachieving from the Falcons this year, given the expectations that we all had going into uh, this season. Well, free, you must be in my head because that's the word that was coming to mind. Every person that I thought of the minute you said exceeded expectations, I started saying, well, is there anyone? And I said, yeah, in spades. So there might be three, four games, Jesse Bates third, where he exceeded expectations, but he came back to the median because there were three more games where it was just kind of pedestrian. And then he went back to being that Jesse Bates that became this two-time NFC Defensive Player of the Week. So it's that inconsistency, even with the guy that you might say is the one who has gotten close to exceeding on a consistent basis because you just have 
like the rest of the team, those pockets of inconsistency that you just can't overlook no matter who you're talking about. And I think that the other piece there is this kind of when you look at it, it's frustrating because when you see those moments of greatness, I don't care which player it is, or even those moments of solid, right? For those players who all you needed them to do was just be solid and then solid turned into subpar. That's where that area of frustration goes back to what Tori was saying of, well, yep, coming into the season, this is what I thought, but here's, you know, here's kind of where we are and this is not where I thought we were going to be. But I know too, Jarvis, one of the things we talked about at the end of our postcast yesterday was, hey, we will legitimately take our 24 hours and we're going to take a pause, kind of step back and see what this thing is. And let's see where we stand now. And yesterday when we talked about it, you were saying, hey, look, whew, just Arthur can't get right. And I said, OK, where are you today? And you said today, you know, you didn't mind triggering your host, but you said today you just want to be single and not married. I don't want to get married. Here's the thing, right? Because you go back to those first four games. When I'm talking about Desmond Ritter, I don't want to get married long term. I'm a, I'm a red flag type of guy. If you show me some red flags, I am going to not you know, I'm going to pay attention to those and I'm, I'm not going to ignore them, you know, and try to find all the good positives. Oh, my God. She bringing me uh, flowers and stuff. She brought me flowers this time. Oh, man, that's so cool. Oh, my God. But, you know, she ignores, you know, everything else that's going on, you know, within a relationship. So and I, and I bring that up because I started looking at some numbers. I was like, all right. No, we, we we all everybody always talked about how in, the, in those first four games they started in 2022. Oh, he didn't throw any interceptions. But look at the other stat. He fumbled the ball in, in every game except for his first start in, against New Orleans. And then whether or not it's a fumble or interception, whether they recovered it or not, the only game that he hasn't had an uh, interception or a fumble is two games this year. Two games. And one in, this, in, in 2022. So we're talking about three games where he's absolutely clean, like literally clean slate, not fumble the ball, oh, he was able to jump on it. I'm talking about, like, no interceptions, no fumbles. Three games in his entire career. I'm not going to ignore that anymore. Like, I'm tired of that because those are, that's, like, that's quarterback 101. Take care of the football. Whether you got to be conservative in your first few uh, few games to figure it out and understand how to be able to throw the football and get rid of it. And from a mental standpoint, yeah, you do that. But – it, when it's come to, it comes to Desmond Ritter, there's just something that's just quite not right. And I and I said Arthur Smith wasn't it can't get right when it comes to certain situations and calling plays. Desmond Ritter is that's I feel like this is who he is. I, I'm not going to ignore that anymore. I feel like this is who he is. He just can't get right when it comes to taking care of the football. And when you have three games, we what what sixteen games in, like like we can't ignore that, folks. And I'm not I'm not I'm jumping off that bandwagon. I can't. I can't do. I can't get married. I, I'm gonna stay single. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna go back to. The, I'm start going back to the clubs and start get my get my get my get my juke on. Jarvis is gonna be in a situationship with Des Ritter until further notice. <laughs> but listen, we're gonna talk more about that and maybe some of the other things that, admittedly and rightfully so, have just been a source of continuing frustration and kind of where we stand. But before we go there, we're gonna talk a little bit about DoorDash. So listen, I told you guys yesterday, right, that DoorDash might be your friend because, hey, maybe you might need some comfort food as you deal with the loss of the Falcons to the Bucks. 
It's about 24 hours later, you might still need your comfort food. So if you do, DoorDash might be the way for you to go. Now, for DoorDash, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app, of course, and then enter code LOCKED23. Now, you can order whatever it is that you want. I mean, what's your comfort food? Is it wings? I mean, we are here in the ATL, so it might be that. Pizza, soda, burgers, whatever it is that you want, DoorDash can get it delivered to you without missing a beat. So again, pretty simple. All you have to do is to get 50% off up to $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your first order, you just download the DoorDash app, enter code LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D-23. Now that's subject to change. Terms do apply, but ultimately speaking, I'm giving you a hug by telling you to check out the DoorDash app, download it, get yourself a great meal, and feel better about yourself in the Falcon's fate. All right, guys, so now let's do a little bit of a just more deep, deep dive because we know that it's not as simple as one player made the wrong decision or coach made the wrong call. There were so many miscues yesterday that there was enough blame to go around for the Falcons as to why they lost that game. So Aaron, the Falcons entered the fourth quarter down nine points. They pulled to within two and the Bucks went pound town on them. You know, they just ground, ground, ground game. It looked like it was over, but Hey, we know what happened. Mike Evans out of bounds on the touchdown. Falcons hold the Bucks to three Falcons get a touchdown. And then we also know how it ended. Was this for you the most frustrating Falcons loss of the season? And if so, tell me why. Or if it's not, that's fair enough. But tell me which one was most frustrating. Well, I'll say the angriest I was after a Falcons game was the London game against the Jaguars. That one caused me to pull my hair out. (laughs) This game, I think, is up there in the sense of it was frustrating because of what we've just talked about with the expectations were much higher for me at this point in the season that the fact that they, you know, as we've said, they, they couldn't get right and they they couldn't take advantage of the opportunities that were presented to them, you know, feels more frustrating now today because you felt like, okay, they had worked through some of those issues. And at that point earlier in the season in that week four game against the Jaguars, like it, they were still figuring stuff out. So I, I think this game definitely is probably top two or three in terms of frustration level. But I just, I was so angry after that Jaguars game that I don't know if any, any game is going to get me to that level uh, this year. How about you Jarvis? Was this the game for you or was there another one that maybe frustrated you a bit more? That first Tampa game was, I was pretty up there because this is like, like I talked about earlier, like this is, it's hard. You can't get past this, right? Like this is not something that, oh, he can work on. Or, you know, maybe if he just, you know, take this uh, extra step or if he, if he, he on his, in his five step drop, maybe if he just kind of shortened a little bit, maybe it's a four and a half step. You know, this is not like we're not talking about technical stuff. Right. Because this is, well, oh, if he gets to his one to his two read faster or, hey, maybe if he just hands it off with a better angle when he turns around or if he's. If it's play action. If he just stick that ball in his stomach a little bit longer, we're not talking about technical stuff. We're talking about mental stuff, making sure your head is right. When you, if D Alford comes on, um, has a really good punt return, put you in a good position to get some points before the half. Like, like Tori talked about that, that eight, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to convert in those, those in that time frame is huge. When it comes, you're talking about going into the locker room because, Hey, the conversation is different, right? You missed that field goal. 
And, and, and you can get that fumble. Now you're behind the sticks. Now you're trying to call plays on second and 14 versus, I mean, second and five. Like those are two, like those are two totally different scenarios as a play caller. So it just really just utterly just makes me so upset because when people like we're talking about mental stuff, like I can't even evaluate or look at you and say, hey, I feel like you could be the face of the franchise if we're dealing with all this mental crap. Like this is mental stuff, like mental lapses. Not holding on, staying up under the, riding the center behind so you won't fumble on the goal line. That, I was, yeah, so I guess to answer your question, no. This first, the first Tampa game, like, see how I'm getting angry and more angry I talk? I'm about to, I'm about to um, shut it down because I'm getting angry and angry, angry and the more I speak. because so. But, yeah, I think this is the second most frustrating game. But that first one, it has to be that Tampa game because – that was just, oh, we just having too many conversations about quarterback one-on-one stuff. And and we're in the, we're talking about the NFL football game. Indy, Indy. Tori, save him. <laughs> What's your memory of frustration? So I think, so, uh, me, yeah, I think an emotion worse than frustrated is numbness, is, is the feeling of being numb. And I felt that after the loss to the Cardinals. Um, that going into the bye week, like that was have being on that like skid of loss after loss after loss. And then it kind of ending when they lost to a one and eight Cardinals team in Arizona before the bye week. I remember just kind of feeling like this is who this team is and I don't know how much better it's going to get. And that may be harsh because they did come out after the bye week and they beat the, the saints and they did beat the jets but they again go, kind of revert back, and and here we are talking about a Tampa loss that they should have won, and and even you know even down as many linemen as they as they were, this is a team that outgained Tampa Bay by over a hundred and like forty rushing or not rushing, just total yards. Like that's kind of crazy. So I, I think for me it was like this this loss wasn't as frustrating to me just because I already feel like in that slide from losing to the Cardinals and to the Titans and the commanders and the Vikings, like that point in time, I was, I've been so numb since that. I think my frustration levels have kind of just like leveled out. It's just to kind of be like, well, this is, this is what it is. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's exactly what I shared with one of my colleagues here at the radio station today when she was asking about, uh, you know, just how the temperament was in the stadium yesterday. And I said, I think the third quarter was probably the most telling because I'd stepped away from the press box to say hello to a friend and they were in uh, a 100 section where you had a lot of season ticket holders. And the level of frustration that quickly went to a level of numbness, like I can't even explain it. And it was like, because, you know, that was a grind of a third quarter. I think that might have been 11 game minutes that, you know, the Buccaneers had the ball. And it was like it just minute by minute, it sucked the life out of them. And then as I was walking back to the press box, Tori, that was also telling because fans weren't saying anything. They were just leaving. It was still the third quarter. There were still five minutes left in that quarter. And bands had already left. And I was like, wow, that was so telling. So I told her, I said, you may have seen on TV that there were fans screaming and yelling and frustration. I said, but all I saw was numbness. All I saw was people tapped out. And to me, that was a scarier emotion to see 
than maybe frustration because frustration at least tells me you're still tapped in. Anger tells me you're still tapped in. Numbness, that's like when um, baby girl puts you on the shelf and you're in the friend zone, you ain't coming back out of the friend zone. That's kind of what that felt like. <laughs> all these relationship <laughs> metaphors, we are just right, all I know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> relationship podcast. Let's talk about relationships in the last segment. <laughs> right, you know, right, right. Well, you know we, <laughs> we stay on the psychiatrist couch on the football party. So. <laughs> but listen, I want to ask to Jarvis before we wrap up, and I want to get you guys takes as well, because this was one, this is a personal like, er, moment for me yesterday before I like kind of numbed out downtown like every so many others in that uh, stadium but the falcons were down two starting tackles to give them credit yeah. and a starting center at one point in the game heck at one point in the game it was matthew bears drawn as their only starter on that o-line so understandably it wasn't exactly you know the team that we're accustomed to seeing when you're saying oh my god chris lindstrom's gone down jake matthews has gone down and you already had caleb mcgarry and drew dalman out so I preface by saying I definitely understand that, but I wondered, Jarvis, if somehow maybe that kind of informed Arthur Smith and made him say, hey, I feel like maybe I should lean more in the direction of, you know, 40 passes in the game and in one of the three and outs even go, you know, pass, 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 and then just go 26 with the um, carries for for the day because maybe he felt like with the O-line being one of the main reasons that they're so successful on the ground, the Falcons are, that they – didn't quite have what they wanted. I don't know. Was it that or is Arthur Smith overthinking this thing? For me, it has to be overthinking, right? Because it's like there were times where I couldn't even tell the difference between Storm Norton and Caleb McGear. You know, like just looking at it, just looking at it, there were some times where he had some really good um, blocks in the run game. So I'm just like, okay, what are we talking about? Like we don't trust the guys that that you entrusted to, to be able to protect them from a pass standpoint because – at the end of the day, like a lot more worse stuff can happen when you're passing the football than when you're running the football. Like the the the, the amount of uh, room for error opens up tremendously when you throw the football. I see 40 attempts by by Desmond Ritter and an interception. So all of those, and then one that was uh, negated by a penalty. So it's just yeah. so many things that can happen when you start throwing the football like that, especially when you got a quarterback that you really we don't quite know where he is. I know, I know where I am with it, but you know, like overall, you got to see what he is as far as these last four games. I just really feel like this is a, a scenario where Arthur Smith kind of has to fall back to the mean because the means is running the football. I don't care who's in the offensive line, and and we talked about what well, there was only one starter in there, and you know, granted, they did have Tyler Brable did that have his moments. But I think overall, given yeah. the situation, he played solid. So you got to – this is all about identity. Like, you run the ball. You got this head coaching gig because you came up with a hell of a run game with, with Derrick Henry at the helm or, and turned around handing that football to Derrick Henry. And you bringing that to here. And you try, and you try to bring that here from a personnel standpoint. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's go with that. I don't care who's that, out there on, in that front five. If those are guys that you brought in that feel like, hey, given a scenario, they're going to be able to step in for you for a series or a half or whatever. And those guys did that. So you need to call the plays accordingly. I'm sorry. I I I disagree with Jarvis. I, I think the offensive line injuries were the reason why Arthur Smith had a quote-unquote aggressive game plan and a pass-happy game plan. And I think early in the game it was effective. Um, I certainly think, 
you know, there was a, a big stretch of that game in the middle of the game in the second and third quarter where you leaned a lot on the passing game. I think there was like a, you know, those seven drives where the Falcons um, weren't successful moving the ball and, and came away with no points uh, in those two quarters. They had like 29 plays and 20 of them were pass plays and nine runs. Um, but I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, I, I'll just say the I think the offensive line injuries led to Arthur Smith's pass happy approach, and I'm good with it. I just don't think the Falcons did a great job executing those plays. And I think that's a fair assessment too, because you know it's one thing, and and I, I wasn't a fan of the the forty. Like that was a bit too much for me. Even if I think maybe if it would have hovered even around 32 or 35, I would have at least been able to say it's somewhere in the middle between, hey, Arthur, you're overthinking it. And hey, you got to go with, you know, what you think you're, you can get value out of based on who you have lining up um, on your O-line. But that said, it was still one of those things where at the end of the day, this probably shined the light on the fact that in any other situation, whether you have that guy at running back or not, the QB is really where it starts and stops in this league. And we just, the, the Falcons just didn't get that where, what they needed because I, and I say that to say this, I think, and we'll talk about it uh, in kind of our what's next, if you will, how the Falcons kind of get there. But I think it does speak volumes to say, Hey, this offense did what it did or, or, or didn't do. Because that was another, you know, piece of conversation that I heard this morning that I know I personally disagreed with. But it was, hey, you know, the defense didn't get it done. Well, keep a defense on the field for like 11 minutes in the third quarter. They might just be tapped out by that final drive if you know it's coming down to one possession. But it was all of what they also had to do to keep that team above water in the first half. And eventually it does kind of weigh on you and it kind of was reminiscent of some of those earlier losses. But again, we will talk about what that path going forward is for the Falcons because there are still four games on the mantle for them to potentially still win out in this division. But first, we are going to talk about prize picks. So prize picks might actually do you just like one of our other sponsors and make you a little bit happier today on a day when maybe not so happy because it's still the aftermath of a tough loss by the Falcons. But no fear. If you go to prize picks, which is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America, might just make your day. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And here's another cool thing. With the prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for NFL games and even college football top 25 matchups you would have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second. It's okay because that player can be rebooted. So prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Now, how do you get to to take advantage of this? Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the code locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. I'll tell you again, just in case you didn't hear for the people in the back, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. That's L O C K E D O N N F L for first deposit match up to $100. It's highly encouraged that you would check this out because it's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, guys, as much as 
Yesterday was tough. I like to call it the same thing that I actually give Desmond Ritter a compliment on from time to time. And I think he has selective amnesia. And I say that that way because when he does have one of those foibles, whether it's a fumble or an interception or some type of foggy brain, usually he'll come back at some point in the game and redeem himself. That's what the Falcons have to do. The Falcons have a redemption tour to go on for these next four games in order for them to win this division. They can still do it. And Tory. How do they get it done? First off, how do they get it done in Carolina next week so that they can beat the Panthers, but also to reposition themselves to uh, potentially win this division by how they go down the stretch in this final quarter? Yeah, I I know before we started recording this, I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about injuries, but here I am. I'm going to talk a little bit about injuries, but I think getting healthy is going to be really, really important down the stretch for for these next four games getting guys like Jake Matthews back, Drew Dahlman, Caleb McGarry, Nate Lamman, David Onyemata, Jeff Bakuda. Like, I'm just going on and on. But, like, yeah, this was – I remember I said this on our last show, but this was going to be the first game that the Falcons' depth was really, really tested. And for the most part, I actually thought that that depth held up. I thought Clark Phillips yes. played a really dang good game. Um, and I, I actually want to see more of him in the last four games of, of this season. So I, I think that there are reasons to be pleased with how depth performed, but you don't want to, to put that on, on your depth. I mean, and at one point, I think the Falcons only had like two offensive linemen left that they could pull up. So, and one of them was a rookie that yesterday I think was his first day active. So that of the entire year. So Getting guys healthy. I know you're at the season, the point of season where it's a slug and it's tough and injuries are going to happen. It's the NFL. But get guys as healthy as they can be for these next four games because they're going to dictate if you even have a postseason. Indeed, indeed. And it's interesting you say that because as I was looking, you know, down the depth chart, Tori, I was thinking to myself, and I'll actually save this for the end, but I was like, yeah, if you get into a situation where some of these players aren't able to go, whether it's this next game or the next couple games, where do you go from there? But I'll save that thought to wrap us up. Jarvis, what do you think you need to see or what do we need to see out of the Falcons in Carolina next week, but also to tee that team up to get to run, quote unquote, the gauntlet and win this division uh, at the end of the season. Win. They just have to win. I hate to simplify it like that, but they just have to go out there and get a win because However, the yeah. Panthers are awful. They're just awful. They It's just so many things going on. I always talk about, you know, I brought this up on the NFL Kickoff Live show that we do T and about bad organizations. Like you hear about the off the field stuff more so than the on the field stuff. And that's what the case with the Panthers, like they have so much crap going on off the field. It's just like, this should be a game. This is a winnable game. And it, like, you know what? Like they better, this is a better win game. Like this is a better <laughs> win game. Yeah. You Regardless gotta win. <laughs> you know, you get Like you better go up there and win because there's, there are no conversations about, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, we still got a chance. Mathematically, we still, no, none of that. Go up there and win the game and just see how everything else plays out. And Aaron, how about for you, the trip up to Carolina, what does that need to look like? Obviously a win, but also as it relates to teeing this team up for the rest of the season and getting in position to to win the division. Yeah, I think they need a an adrenaline shot. I, I think they need to go up to Charlotte and handle their business and, and basically beat the brakes off the Panthers so that they can get 
you know, I guess inspired yeah. to, to go on the, the run for those final three games that are going to be, that should be much tougher than this Panthers game and, and sort of wipe the bitter taste out of their mouth from this sort of disappointing loss against the Bucs. And, you know, just get that confidence back of being like, okay, we, we are actually a good team. We just didn't show it on Sunday and trick the rest of us into, you know, buying back in and into the Falcons uh, down the stretch. So uh, that's what I think they need to do. Yeah, I for the first time this season, for the first time this season, they need a decisive win from start to finish, no doubt. Yes. Decisive. Multi-score. Multi-score. Not just multi-score. Score. Yeah. Multi-score. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Ten points. Leave, leave, no leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. Exactly. Yes. And starters, you have one job. That is for you to perform above yourself. I want you to start excelling. Like we said, we want to see exceeding expectations and we want to see it for four games, not just one or not just even a stretch of a game. And for those who are right behind them, because we don't know what this injury look report is going to look like, or as I like to call it, the infirmary report for the Falcons for the rest of the season, you don't need to just be ready when your numbers call. You need to be ready to play one step above when your numbers call, because that's what it's going to take for everybody to do their job and then some for this team to be able to make it to the postseason. So we will see, guys. We appreciate you, as always, for stopping by the Atlanta Football Party. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, the party continues tomorrow where we'll talk dogs on the Atlanta Football Party once again. We'll see you then.